Hey everyone, welcome into Moving Up the Ladder as we look to bring you insight and knowledge into improving the success of your business or career, whether you're looking for a job or even running a company. For localjobnetwork.com radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. And we continue to hear from employers that they're having a difficult time finding that high quality talent to fill positions, while at the same time, some studies are showing that current employees are often looking elsewhere, or at least passively checking in on other opportunities. Thus, it's obviously vital for employers to find some ways to retain that talent or they're going to be left scrambling. Joining us from Indianapolis is Chris Woolard today. He comes to us from Walker Information as a senior consultant, as well as the employee loyalty expert, an aspect that clearly plays a role here as well. Chris, a pleasure having you on again. Thanks for having me on again. First and foremost, you know, sort of basing this off of um, the Harvard Business Review mentioning that um, 69% of current employees are passively looking for a new job. I guess, does this number surprise you? Or why? Why not? I mean, what, what's your t- initial takeaway? It, it does surprise me. I didn't expect it to be quite so high. Now, you know, the question is, what does passively mean? Sure. Um, does that mean that you, you're on Facebook, you saw a monster ad, and you clicked, and now you're passively? But uh, still, I think, you know, passively still means that you know, there's these that idea in your mind that, hey, what else is out there? So mm-hmm. I think that's very high. Um, what also concerned me was of those 69%, uh, 40% of employees, and now in that same study, 40% said they plan to look for a job in the next six months. So that goes beyond just being passive right. and being more active now and actually trying to go out and try to find a new job. And, and like I said, four out of 10 of the people they interviewed said they planned to be more active in their job seeking. And think about it from a company's perspective. If four out of 10 other people leave, obviously not everyone's going to leave, but if, if four out of 10 leave or let's say even three out of 10 leave, you know, that's going to have a pretty big impact on a lot of these companies. So I, I was surprised it was so high, but I'm starting to see some of these trends, um, not quite as big, but I'm starting to see more and more people looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. I think as the economy's kind of stabilizing, I won't say it's you know necessarily improving yet, although I know the stock's been good this week. But what I'm seeing though is really since the presidential election has happened and people kind of know at least what's going to happen, mm-hmm. I think people now are making decisions of, okay, what do they want to do now? Okay. Um, and I think there was some apprehension before with the economy and with the presidential election. I think a lot of, a lot of unknowns were out there for people, but now people I think at least know what's going to happen. So they're making decisions accordingly. And as you can see, a lot of people plan to, to change jobs in the next six months to a year. So, I mean, is this a loyalty issue? Obviously, last time we had you on, that was the, the major focus of what we were talking about. Is it a loyalty thing? Are there just too many other things that play a role? Or what's your, what's your thought in terms of the, the loyalty aspect to this? Well, th- it is a loyalty thing because what we have found is that when an employee is loyal to an organization, they are less likely to uh, look for jobs and they're more likely to resist job offers that might come to them. Um, So this certainly tells me that there could potentially be a loyalty problem going on out there, that you have a lot of employees who aren't necessarily loyal to their company, therefore they are actively and passively looking for jobs. Now, do you think, and I'm just sort of throwing this out there as, as an aside, could it be generational anyway? You talk about this average stay of less than five years. Um, you know, the belief was like the boomer, the baby boomer generation, they sort of just stuck it out and you, you stayed where you were at. I mean, is there anything to suggest it's, it's just more a sign of the times versus any sort of, you know, economic situation or anything like that? There's a little bit to the generational differences. What I have seen is that some of the older employees, they tend to fall more truly loyal 
or in some cases what we'd call trapped, meaning they aren't necessarily happy about the relationship or happy about the job, but they plan to stay. Mm-hmm. We do see a fair amount of them that are still high risk, meaning that they aren't happy with the situation or are going to leave. But they do st- have a fair amount falling into that trapped co- category, which makes sense. They've been with the organization for a long time. They're probably making good money. Um, so they're going to stick around. They don't want to uh, lose some of those perks that they have. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the younger generation, what I'm seeing is they tend to be very dichotomous in that they tend to fall truly loyal, which a lot of people are surprised that they're even falling truly loyal. But I am seeing the younger generation will fall truly loyal if they achieve and, and receive certain things in their job, things like recognition, promotion, development, things like that. Right. So they will be loyal. But if they aren't loyal, they don't tend to fall very trapped. They tend to quickly shift over to high risk. Okay. So what I see is that if they don't feel like they're getting what they're looking for in their job, they have absolutely no problem walking out the door tomorrow and finding a new job. And I think that does play a lot into what uh, sort of the, the main subject of our conversation is going to be and this idea of retaining employees and, and sort of giving them those things and not in a, you know, not in a charitable type situation, but giving them things they're looking for, you know, helping them mm-hmm. feel that, you know, sense of loyalty, so to speak. So uh, the first thing that, that stuck out from that, obviously, was this idea of responsibility. And I guess, what are we talking about when we're, when we're dealing with terms of keeping an employee or retaining them in some way? Where does responsibility play a factor here? Yeah, before I answer that, let me take one quick step back. Sure. And the things we're going to talk about with um, some of the things that companies should be offering responsibility to these other areas, it's not specific just to the younger generation. We're going to find that a lot of these things that people are looking for is, is the same across the board. So okay. I don't want people to think that this is just for the younger generation right. because right. I think the older people will want these things as well. And to the same extent, they'll want these. Um, so I don't want, you know, this is kind of an employee-wide um, situation in terms of these things that they want. But in terms of responsibility, what we're talking about here is um, not necessarily just their job, but it's going beyond their job and giving them opportunities to take on responsibility that helps them develop in their career, provides them opportunities with uh, to gain new skills and abilities, okay. or to become part of a high-profile project that maybe you know several executives are really watching. So it's an opportunity to really prove themselves and really shine. Uh, so it goes beyond just their job and what they're doing, and it's time more to kind of long-range plans that they might have for their career, for their job, as well as you know then potentially leading to uh, promotions, raises, things like that. Is there a risk there? And I think it was mentioned, I think you might have mentioned in the, little, the blog piece you had as well. Is there a risk of people feeling like, well, you're just piling stuff onto me and yeah, it's more responsibility, but it's just more work in general? Yes, that, that is a big problem. We see it a lot with the high performers mm-hmm. that they do a great job, so they continue to get loaded on. And we've seen it especially over the past couple of years when companies are really running very lean and mean, that the people they go to to do these additional responsibilities from the layoffs they've had are the high performers sure, because they know they, they're going to come through. But those high performers are getting very burnt out. So there has to be a balance there of, okay, we recognize that you have a job to do and you have certain responsibilities, but we want you to take on these initiatives as well. So it's not necessarily a, we expect you to do this as well as these additional projects. Mm-hmm. It's potentially looking for things that maybe they had been doing that aren't necessarily as strategic or that could be offloaded to someone else. Okay. And maybe those tasks would be seen as a development opportunity for someone else. So it, you know, it, it, I don't think it's always good to just pile on. Obviously, that's going to happen sometimes. You know, you're going to have those times where you're very busy 
things like that. But where you can try to offload something that maybe is less strategic um, or that might be a nice fit with someone else and where they're trying to go to be able to fill time for some of these projects that will help them grow and develop in their career. I mean, does it come down to a lot of times just communicating well, like what exactly they're doing, that it's not just, oh, somebody needs to get this done, we're going to put it on you. And you talk about development. I mean, is that really where the focus needs to be if you're adding more things? Yeah, you're exactly right. You don't just walk into someone's office and say, hey, I need you to take over Johnny's job (laughs) (laughs) because because we're we're short-staffed. But it's, hey, we'd like you to pick up some of what Johnny was doing because you had mentioned to us that in five years from now, you would like to be the controller. Ah, You'd like to be CFO. So these are some of the responsibilities that you might have in that position. So here's an opportunity to do some of that. To one, see, yes, that is where I want to go. Because maybe they do it and they think, there's no way I want to do that. You know, I know when I was in college, I originally was going to be an accountant. Took two accountant classes and said, no thanks. (laughs) Um, But then also to get some training and development and get some new skills to hopefully then progress down that path. And another area that we, we see and we hear from, uh, you know, different individuals and employers, this idea of um, you know, rewarding employees in some way. But, you know, when that comes up, people initially just think, oh, well, that's monetary in some way. But that's not exactly always the case and what people are looking for, correct? That's right. Uh, we usually find it's, it's actually not necessarily, you know, the money. It's other things, different perks that they're looking for. And oftentimes it's things that are personal to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love to play golf. Uh, so if my boss sometimes on a Friday afternoon comes over and says, hey, let's go play for of golf, that to me is an, a reward. You know, I, I really enjoy that. Now, obviously, there's some monetary with that. It doesn't have to be necessarily golf. It, it, you know, it could be, uh, you know, a walker shirt or something like that. Sure. Those are things I like. But what that requires, and this is the big, I think, pitfall for a lot of managers, is it requires the managers then to know their employees. And that, that's what I was going to ask that, about as far as taking the time to really understand what they would want. I mean, how do, how do you go about doing that? I mean, some of that is just, you know, through the course of conversation. Okay. Um, you know, you see them every morning walking in with Starbucks. Okay. Probably getting them a $5 Starbucks gift card or a $10 Starbucks gift card is probably going to mean something to them. So sure. it's paying attention. It's talking to them, um, getting to know them beyond just work. Um, and understand kind of really what do they like and what, you know, what really motivates them. Uh, you know, so from some people, it's um, working with charities. Hmm. Uh, you know, so a reward might be, hey, you go take the afternoon off and go uh, help with Habitat for Humanity. You know, that might mean you know, a lot to someone who is really you know, minded that way. But, but it requires them to pay attention to their employees and really kind of get, them, get to know them beyond just you know, the tasks and the day-to-day responsibilities. Now, does recognition go in this sort of same area, you know, even if it's just a small thing like a, hey, good job or, you know, a little note on a, you know, during a meeting or something? I mean, does that sort of fall in the same category? It, it's similar. I usually think of recognition as more of a, uh, a verbal. Okay. Reward is oftentimes more tangible. Now, that's, that's just how I view it. Sure. Uh, but you see the reward is something I get. You know, I can touch, feel. Got you know, recognition yeah. is more of, you know, they put me in front of the monthly employee meeting and, and applaud me or something like that. Although, <laughs> having said that, I know employees that that would be the biggest punishment you could ever give them. Sure. Right. Yeah. You better be careful. There. <laughs> yeah. So that's where you got to know your employees because you don't want to put everyone up in front because that might completely embarrass them. Uh, but that's, you know, recognition might be, be your boss coming down. Or I've seen this work really well is your boss's boss. Oh, okay. comes down and says, hey, your boss was telling me about the work you did on this project. I just want to come down and say, uh, you know, what a great job you've been doing. You know, I've been hearing great things about you. Keep it up. 
you know, this is really important to the company. You know, I've, I've heard of that working very well and really going a long way because it's like, wow, my boss cared enough to tell his boss who then cared enough to come down and come talk to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that can really mean a lot. Just a little thing like that can really mean a lot to somebody. One of the questions I had about the idea of, you know, rewarding or whatever phrase you want to put to it, and this sort of comes in the back of my mind. I was in, I taught for a little bit, and I always thought, well, geez, if we reward them for certain things, then that's all they're going to be working for, and uh, what about just doing your job? So in the workplace, is there ever a concern then that that you're rewarding them for simple tasks or, or for just simply doing their job as opposed to maybe going above and beyond what they normally would do? Yeah, and that's where, you know, I think the reward part is not necessarily for someone just doing their job. Mm-hmm. That's where maybe the recognition is very nice there. Okay. And I've had I've heard presidents say, well, I shouldn't tell somebody thank you for doing their job. That's what's expected of them. And I completely disagree with that. Because I think it really means a lot to somebody, even if it's you know, they've been doing the same job for fifteen years, um, to have someone say thank you mm-hmm. just means a lot. So I, you know, I don't, I'm not so sure that a reward is necessarily right for someone just doing their job, but I, I, I completely think that a recognition is the right thing to do. Just you know, thank you, appreciate it, appreciate all your hard work is definitely uh, something that's prudent for someone just doing their job. Now, along the same lines, there's the idea of revenue sharing. I guess you know, I, when I brought that up to you know, some of my team members, they had sort of had different questions or thought what that might be. I guess what, what would you explain that to mean in terms of you know, what it would look like in terms of uh, as for an employee? I mean, somebody thought, is it just a bonus? Is that what you're talking about? I guess, how would you phrase the idea of revenue sharing? Yeah, revenue sharing generally is a bonus. Um, and that can be in the form of you know an actual check, or it can be in the form of stock options sure. or something like that. But somehow there's usually some type of monetary um, you know, compensation behind it. Um, but it's generally that if the company achieves certain performance levels, and those are vary by company, um, certainly there's usually some type of financial metric, things like that, that if the company hits these levels, right. then the employees will be compensated accordingly. And it usually is staggered. Uh, obviously, executives get more than you know, the individual contributors. Uh, but that's generally how they work. Um, and I like them a lot. Okay. I think it gives everyone a stake in the game. And it helps people understand, okay, how does my job fit into the bigger picture? Well, I know if I do my job well and if I'm efficient at it, then it's going to help make the company successful. I'm going to get rewarded for that. And, and let me give you an example. I did a, an employee survey with a company two years ago. And it was when you know, the economy still wasn't doing well, uh, so a lot of companies weren't making money. Mm-hmm. And we got the results of this survey, and I, I couldn't believe how many people said the exact same thing, which was at a recent employee meeting, the executives were talking about how successful the company was and how profitable it was and how proud they were um, because the company was doing so well at such a bad time. Okay, So that was the message. We're successful. Everyone's doing well. Right. However... No one got paid bonuses. Mm. No one got – so then on the employees were like, why was I doing what I was doing? Sure. If you're telling us we're doing well, and I, but I'm not getting a piece of that. And it was so incredibly demotivating for all these employees. Hmm. And so that's always kind of stuck in my mind. So when I hear about this revenue share, you know, I always go back to that and what a huge negative impact that had. So I think then you know, alternatively it could have such a huge positive impact where you know, even someone's getting you know, a couple hundred dollars – you know, that could mean a lot Right. that, oh, wow, the company did well, and I got a piece of that. It wasn't that now I see my executive driving in a new Beamer because um, you know, our company <laughs> hit their performance incentives, 
But I got a little something too. Um, so now I'm going to start making decisions that are not just good for me, because I think that's oftentimes what we revert to is, well, I'm going to do what's best for me. But now I'm going to make decisions that are what's best for the company because I know ultimately that's what's going to be what's best for me. Including staying with that organization, which is sort of the that's right. part of the yeah. idea here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, a lot of times employees talk about just wanting respect or they feel like they're not getting respect. And, you know, obviously that's vague and it it could, again, mean something different to everyone else. But, I mean, would you be able to tell some managers, leaders in organizations, I guess, just some ideas on what that means on a daily basis or a weekly basis? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that gets back to what we talked about when we were talking about rewards. And that's, you know, getting to know the employees, you know, kind of understanding who they are from a more personal level and then, you know, being respectful of who they are. Uh, from a personal perspective. Um, I think one of the ways to identify respect is to give you an example of what it's not. Okay, yeah, that works for <laughs> so, me. So I was working with a client, and they had a particular department that had extremely uh, low scores, very low scores, mm-hmm. significantly lower than every other department and what I've seen in most departments. So we explored it further, and what we found out is the head of the department said, it is mandatory that all my employees work 45 hours a week. The employee said, I can get my job done in 38. Mm. What do you want me to do with these other seven hours? They were expected to stay there and be there for 45 hours a week, regardless if they had family, if they had plans, didn't matter. That is not respectful of your employees. Sure. So it's, you know, it's kind of got golden rule of, you know, treat people how you'd want to be treated. Um, so I always think of that example as that's what you don't do to show respect. How you show respect is say, here's the objectives I have for you in your job. Go get them done. You know, if you get them done in 38 hours, more power to you. Mm-hmm. If it takes you 42, you know, sorry, let's talk about maybe how you can be more efficient. Um, but it's not doing the, the, you know, the mandatory, you have to be here for 45 hours. You, know, you have to be here at 8, and if you're here at 8.02, you know, you're in trouble. Now, obviously, there's some jobs you have to be there at a specific time, and sure. I get that. But for most jobs, if you're there at 8 or 8.30, does it really matter? No. <laughs> Um, so show some respect, some flexibility for for people that they do have lives outside of work, and show them some respect. You know that they can have a life outside of work. Now, similarly, there's sort of this, you know, the thought of you know vacation and and time off for sickness. You know, we just did a show recently how, um, you know, in the U.S., it's not guaranteed that you are given paid sick days, that sort of thing. Um, but I mean, are there other things employers can do in terms of little breaks or time management things? Or um, I know a team member of mine brought up just the idea of a flexible lunch, like and you don't you don't have to eat at mm-hmm. noon. You can eat, you know, whenever it fits into your schedule better. Um, I, I guess where does that all fall into play in terms of being able to offer that, but still being consistent with production and, and keeping things yeah. sort of on an on a even playing surface? What's sort of your opinion and, and advice in that area? Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge advocate of flexibility, and I think this goes back to some of the respect that. Right. You know, I go back to, does it really matter if I'm here at 8 or 8.30? As long as I get my stuff done, I log my time. You know, I'm meeting all my objectives. What's it matter? Sure. And it, regarding kind of the sick days, time off, one thing that I actually like that Walker does is we don't separate sick days from vacation days. They lump it all together to pay time off. So if I'm sick, I don't have to go run to my doctor because I have a sniffle <laughs> and I need a doctor's note to be able to take my sick day versus taking a vacation day. Right. They said, look, you guys have X amount of days. Do what you want with them. If you have a healthy year, hey, you got more vacation. If you have a year where you're really sick, sorry, but you've got all this time to use as you see fit. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. Some other things that I've seen that I really like, um, obviously one is the flex schedule. You can take your lunch whenever you want. Again, I understand 
not the case for every job. Right, right. But for most jobs, let's face it, it doesn't matter if someone's taking their lunch at 11 or 1. Like I, I, one of the things I like here is we do have flex time at Walker, and I go to the gym or, uh, on my lunch a lot. Gym's really busy from 12 to 1. Sure. So right. I like to go take my lunch from 11 to 12. Again, it doesn't matter. My clients don't care. <laughs> you know? So it's not making a big impact, um, but it's nice that I have that flexibility. Um, but some other things I've seen that I really like uh, for a long time, I think it was Google, gave their employees so many hours a week to work on pet projects. Okay. So if they had a, a crazy idea, something they really <laughs> wanted to try, they were allowed – I can't remember how many hours a week. It wasn't a lot. It was two, maybe, maybe three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it wasn't costing the company much money at all, but they said that's where they got some of their best ideas from. And some of their best products and services came from that small sliver of hours where employees could work on pet projects. So I, I love that idea. The other thing I really like, and I've been a huge advocate of, and I've blogged about this quite a bit, is row, this results-only uh, work environment. What this is, is it's where employees basically can work whenever and wherever they want. But what is key is that employees have clearly identified specific objectives they need to be accomplishing. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to their job to make sure they accomplish those things. If they do not, there are obviously consequences. You know, you can no longer work wherever and whenever you want, or you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do consistently show you can't achieve your objectives, knock yourself out. If you're more productive from 10 at night to 2 in the morning, and I, I have a... a I've talked to here locally here in Indianapolis who uses this, and his, a, lot of his client, a lot of his people work from 10 at night till 2 in the morning. Mm-hmm. They're just night people. That's when they work. Great. More power to them. Their clients can get a hold of them. They all have cell phones. They have laptops. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if the clients really need to get a hold of somebody, they can. Um, so it hasn't really impacted his business, and he makes the case that it actually has made his business more productive because people work when they are productive. Um, you know, if they're getting tired in the afternoon, they go to the gym or they go take a nap. He said some guys just go to the movies sometimes. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it makes them more productive because they work when they are productive and yeah. their most productive times. Um, and so, it, and it it shows the employees respect because they say, hey, I trust you. I trust you're going to get done what I've asked you to get done. Just go get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I expect you to have it done by Friday. And they go and do it. And if they don't, there's consequences. And if they do it, then, hey, they have this flexibility in, the, in their workplace, and it's great. It's worked out great for them. I know a lot of other companies have gone to it, and has, it's been really successful for them. Yeah, I, I, can, I can definitely see where that works. And obviously, you mentioned you know, there has to be a trust factor, and then you have to get mm-hmm. the job done. That's what it comes down to. But it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. You talk about the you know, different personalities and, and how people are brought up, that sort of thing. Um, the idea of the, having time to work on pet projects, I think that's a great idea because I'm sure you know, you've know come across this where – it's a grind every day, and you're trying to get stuff done, get stuff done, and you don't have that time to just take a step back and maybe improve yeah. the quality somewhere, innovate something. And uh, I think that's a, I think that's a cool idea. Yeah, I know. There's been days at, at, at Walker here where I'm like, man, that's got to be fixed. Sure. But I don't have time right now to fix that. Right. So I, have exactly. to live, I have to live with this broken process <laughs> that I know is inefficient because I can't take the time to make it more efficient. If I had an hour or two, or you know, certain time set aside to do those sorts of things, then you know, I think you become more efficient. Like they said, that's where they get great ideas from because people can kind of step away, step back. And they have that permission too. They don't feel like, oh, yeah. no, am I going to get in trouble for this? Or and Not only do they have permission, they're encouraged to. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, I think we touched on a lot of, uh, you know, definite areas where employers could help their own cause in this case. And obviously, as well as, you know, the production overall with employees 
As we look to sort of wrap it up, I mean, do you have any overall, you know, takeaways or last pieces of advice that you would offer up to employers? Again, in terms of focusing on retaining the employees you have and, um, you know, the added bonus to that is, again, improving productivity as well. What would your sort of takeaway be for everybody? I think the biggest takeaway is ask your employees. Uh, when you're talking about trying to make them more loyal, retaining employees, what they're looking for, ask them. Uh, I have found employees are generally very open and honest about what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so just ask them, um, and they'll tell you. <laughs> and then, But this, the big thing is be able to act on it. Sure. So don't ask them if you don't intend to actually do something um, with what you find out. But if you ask them, they will generally give you some pretty good feedback and some direction about things they're looking for in their job. And if making those changes, it will then in turn make them more loyal or to productive things like that. Well, Chris, thanks again for giving us you know some insight and perspective on this. You know the idea of retaining employees and the different aspects that definitely do play a role. It's it's I think it's clear for a lot of people in, in their own environment they could take pieces away from this. Now, if people are interested in finding out more about you and your work, where would they find that information? Yeah, they could go to uh, WalkerInfo.com or they can go to my blog at blog.walkerinfo.com. All right, great. Well, thanks again for joining us. Definitely appreciate it. Thank you. That, again, is our expert, Chris Woolard, senior consultant and really the employee loyalty expert for Walker Information in Indianapolis. Again, a pleasure having him on once again. That'll wrap things up for us on Moving Up the Ladder. Be sure to drop us an email with any comments or suggestions for any of our programs at ljanradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you again later.